0: From Schwartz Media, I'm Elizabeth Koolas. This is 7am. As the Andrews government attempts to negotiate a treaty with First Nations people in Victoria, it's proceeding with a plan to bulldoze hundreds of sacred Jubbarung trees. Lydia Thorpe on the campaign to protect her people's heritage. Lydia, can you tell me about the Japurung trees in Western Victoria, which are really at the centre of this story?
1: Ah, uh, absolutely. Look, the trees are not just trees to my people, particularly to the long line of matriarchal women of the Japurung people. They are part of us.
0: Lydia Thorpe is a Japurung traditional owner and the former Victorian state MP for Northgate. She wrote about this issue for the Saturday paper.
1: The trees are, you know, known to be around 800 year old and they've been used over time by Japarung people, particularly women, for birthing and shelter and cooking. There's also canoe trees. There's also you know, what we call uh, boundary trees. Um, there's also
0: other marker trees in terms of uh, mob coming in of, into country and out of country when they, when they used to do... Walk, when they walk in the country, there'd be certain tree scar that would represent that mob and that they know that they would have to go that way
1: in that direction of that scar. You only need to see uh, one tree in particular where a whole family could sit in there. I've sat in there with my daughter. It's very spiritual.
0: And Lydia, it's something like more than 10,000 Japerong children have been born at this site.
1: Well, if you calculate the age of the trees and the generations that have gone through this area, then, yeah, it's probably quite a conservative um, number. Mother and father would then come together with that placenta, my father holding the placenta, mother holding the seed, and then both planting that placenta and that seed. So that tree is a direct reflection of, of that that baby that's born, so however... however And given that Gunditjmara as a whole and Japarunga part of Gunditjmara, there were hundreds of thousands of us once upon a time that roamed that part of the country until we were colonised and massacred in some of the worst massacres this country's ever seen. We had something like 70 clans that once roamed freely that sustained the land, maintained the wildlife and the connections with our land and our people. And that's now down to seven clans. So most of our people were wiped out completely from the Western districts. I regularly go back to that part of the country for my own healing, for my own reconnection. And, you know, I often sit on garawad which is what the colonizers call the grampians and i think about my people being rounded up and herded up and shot the way they were and run down by by you know men on horseback so it's 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 real and it's still raw and you can feel it and and you can feel it at you know where the the trees are you can feel it all across the western districts on Gunichimara country, on Japarang country.
0: Lydia, at the moment, the Andrews government is proposing this road expansion project through the region that you've just described. Mm.
1: the The road is, you know, it needs to be widened from a thick roads perspective. They're saying that they need to widen this road to make it safer and to lessen the time that it takes for particularly freight trucks to get to where they need to get to. The Western Highway is one of Victoria's busiest rural highways and forms part of the main connection and trade link between Melbourne and Adelaide. As I understand it, there are 3,000 trees to be cleared and of that there's around 260 that have some kind of cultural significance, whether that be birthing or scarred trees. So it's you know it's not a small number of trees. It's it's quite significant.
0: And this is a freight road between Melbourne and Adelaide. What would the expansion change in terms of time for trucks? Uh, they're saying two minutes. Two minutes on a journey. You're saying would be saved by widening the. Road. Yes. Are there alternative routes that could be explored that would preserve the cultural sites and the trees that you've described?
1: Yes, there's a couple of options, but my preferred option is that we just leave it as it is and we just make it safer. The other option that has been put forward, they're calling the northern option, does impact on the environment and some grassy areas and there is concern about the golden sun moth, which is quite rare, that lives in this grass. So whatever way you go, it seems, you know, it's either going to be environmental impact or cultural heritage impact, and I'm sure that there's a middle way that we can negotiate. But let's do that, you know. We haven't done that yet.
0: We'll be right back.
1: As a a. 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read POST, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points with links to full articles from a range of sources. Get the news you need to your inbox every weekday morning with post. Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, The Saturday Paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism, and you'll receive The Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just two dollars ten a week. Simply visit the Saturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday Paper. No hot takes.
0: Lydia, the Andrews government is proposing to widen this part of the Western Highway, and in that process they're talking about the clearing of a significant number of trees that themselves have great cultural and significance to the Jacquelang people. An embassy has been established near Ararat to protest this proposal on this clearing. Can you describe what those protests have looked like, what the resistance to this plan has looked
1: like? We're basically circling the whole area with a number of camps and uh, at the moment I think you know there's around 150 people out there. So there's a camp kitchen at each camp, there's lounge suites, there's a shower. There's also places where women can talk and make artefacts and there's also an area for men to do that. Every time I've been at the camp, it's it's just full of story and connection between Aboriginal people, Japarung people and non-Aboriginal people, including our multicultural community. The only time that we've had any kind of aggression has been from the police. That was very intimidating, being told I had to get out of the car and and walk a mile to get to my younger sister who was protecting the, one of the direction trees. There's no crime no here, mate. Oh, the only crime here, just, just trying to get the... Guess what? He's a public servant. You know, these were riot close. police. These were black four-wheel drive police cars there would have been 60 police officers with their arms crossed, standing in a line in front of traditional owners and, and our supporters to come in and, and remove people. Because of our cultural heritage, which is our religious belief, we wouldn't go to your churches and we wouldn't do that. We wouldn't knock that stuff over. As a matter of fact, we'd welcome you into our, our
0: way of life in a civil matter. The Andrews government has said that there was consultation with Indigenous owners of this land in putting together this project proposal. What is it that the Andrews government means by that and what is to your mind actually going on?
1: Uh, I think it's really easy for any government to say that they've got consent from the traditional owners because traditional owners means, what does that mean exactly? We have up to 38 nations across the state and the Andrews government needs to be more specific about who they gained the consent from because it hasn't been the japarung people they've dealt with a aboriginal corporation eastern ma aboriginal corporation which has registered aboriginal party status and to gain registered aboriginal party status you have to be approved by the victorian aboriginal heritage council now to become a member of the Victorian Aboriginal Heritage Council. You have to be appointed by the Minister for Aboriginal Affairs.
0: So there's sort of a circularity to who actually is gaining access to the conversation?
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: The Andrews government says it has approval from traditional owners but it hasn't actually, to be clear, consulted the Japarung people specifically.
1: That's right. My mother is one of the senior Japarung women involved in this and... Through her and through Aunty Sandra Onus, who is, is also a um, senior Japarung woman, we've requested Issa Ma, Aboriginal Corporation to hold a meeting of the Japarung women. We did that six months ago, and that still hasn't happened.
0: Lydia, this land clearing is happening at the same time as the Andrews government is talking about negotiating a treaty with the First Nations people of Victoria, which some see as a progressive move. What do you make of it?
1: Oh, I agree. I think it's a very progressive move and I congratulate the Andrews government. It, it hasn't been easy, though. They have started by giving 12 reserve seats to the registered Aboriginal parties, the ones that ultimately are decided by a minister. So that was difficult to accept, given, as I said, we've got 38 nations and not all of them are recognised through that process. From across our state... Different voices and different views came together and they told us loud and clear that they wanted treaty. They wanted the responsibility and the respect to write their own story. Speaker, there is still a long way to go and it will not be easy because the most important work never is easy. But today marks that all important first step, a new partnership, a new way of doing business with each other not just for Aboriginal Victorians, but for every Victorian. And through the Treaty Commissioner, the government have gone around and talked to communities and part of that process has been a conversation about Crown Land. In 2016, they went around with a map of all the Crown land that was left in Victoria and basically dangled that as the carrot and said, this could be what is possible through a treaty process. You could have Crown land back as part of a treaty negotiation. And so that was really exciting. It actually got a lot of people over the line who didn't agree with the treaty at all. I myself was very excited of any notion of getting land back that we could protect and preserve for future generations, but also any land back that we can economically benefit from, given most of it's been stolen. It was an exciting notion. A lot of that, I believe, has been sold off, a lot of more... In a city, Crown land has been sold off to private developers, but there's still Crown land out there that obviously belong to national parks and so forth. But we need to ask the question again, how much in reality is left and will there be any left to negotiate?
0: Lydia, if we can go back to the trees, what legal injunctions have been sought to protect them so far?
1: At the moment, it's been about heritage protection so, you know, we went to the former Environment Minister, Melissa Price, and she rejected our claim for heritage protection. But in her refusal to protect that area, she also acknowledged that it was spiritually and significantly cultural to the Japarung people. So based on that, we went to the new minister, Federal Minister Susan Leigh and said, can you please review your decision? She's reviewed that and come back and said, no, it still stands. So now we're exhausting whatever avenue is left and obviously an injunction is one.
0: So what is the Andrews government saying is going to happen next from their point of view?
1: They're just going on the fact that they've done a deal with Eastern Ma Aboriginal Corporation and they are going on as business as usual they've through major roads given the camp a 14 day eviction notice which ends on August 22nd i'll be there on August 22 and i'm sure hundreds of other people will be as well at that point in time i don't know what will happen
0: lydia i've had this question throughout this story i'm struggling to understand why if there are alternatives to the proposed route that would preserve these sacred trees and if the current proposal only saves about two minutes on the roads. Why the government is persisting with its original plan?
1: Oh, look, I think it's a number of reasons. I think that they're just in a hurry to get the job done. They don't want to waste any more money. But I also think that it's not easy to have to negotiate with a number of people all the time either. And I think that's why they set up the Registered Aboriginal Party process, because it provides a easier, more direct way to get sign-off. I think they're stubborn as well <laughs> and I think that they need to really consider showing good faith right now as we enter into this treaty discussion on how they can actually sit down and negotiate with the Japarung women. I think that would show that they're genuine in how they want to sit with our people, talk with our people and come up with solutions with our people. They need to take the time to do that now because if you can't show that you can do that now, then how are you going to do that in a treaty negotiation?
0: Lydia, thank you so much. Pleasure. From the Saturday paper comes The Food, a free weekly newsletter featuring curated recipes from some of the country's leading chefs, including Andrew McConnell, Otama Carey, David Moyle and Karen Martini. Cook what they cook by subscribing today at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. Join Richard Tognetti and the ACO for a bold and intrepid 2022. Featuring a live national concert season, their acclaimed on-demand film series ACO Studio Casts, and exciting programs from their new home in Sydney's Walsh Bay. Subscriptions now on sale at aco.com.au. Elsewhere in the news, the Senate vote to decriminalise abortion in New South Wales was delayed yesterday after Gladys Berejiklian convinced the bill's supporters to hold off on debating it until Parliament's next sitting date. The bill passed the lower house in a late-night session two weeks ago, sparking strong campaigns on both sides of the issue. Federal MP Barnaby Joyce has recorded a robocall imploring citizens to oppose the bill and claiming that it would mean abortions could be administered quote, right up until the day of the birth. The final vote on the bill will likely occur in mid-September when the New South Wales Parliament sits again. And Queensland police have been granted new powers to search protesters in response to increasing campaigns of civil disobedience, particularly in relation to climate change. Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk said that, quote, "...sinister tactics were employed by some of the protesters, with some using devices that could lock on to a location, making it difficult for them to be removed by emergency services personnel." Police will now have the power to search people for such devices, which were made illegal. It was also announced that those caught protesting on farmland could now be punished with up to a year in prison. This is 7am. I'm Elizabeth Collas. See you Thursday.